This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting's 2FM radio stations in Michigan and the Midwest and Supertalk Mississippi Media's 12 radio stations in the South. We thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Joel Sami, your co-host, joined by Natasha Sardorj, economist and co-founder of the International Leaders Summit, and our distinguished guest host, Governor Phil Bryant. America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C. brings together leading voices from business, government, media, technology, and the public policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, and Fireside. Visit iLeadersSummit.org. iLeadersSummit.org. This weekend on America's Roundtable, we're delighted to welcome to this program Governor Phil Bryant, a guest host of America's Roundtable. Governor Bryant served as Mississippi's 64th governor from 2012 to 2020. Governor Bryant was Lieutenant Governor, State Auditor, and represented his legislative district in the Mississippi House of Representatives. As governor, the Honorable Phil Bryant led Mississippi in implementing transformational public education reforms, promoting economic development, and advancing strategic trade missions. Governor Bryan serves on the Executive Advisory Board of International Leaders Summit and is spearheading efforts at Bryan Sanji Snell Global Partners. And without further ado, we welcome Governor Phil Bryan to America's Roundtable. Good morning, sir. Welcome, Governor Bryant. Good morning. Good morning, Natasha and Joel. It's so great to be back with you. We were together uh, last week in Washington, D.C., met some wonderful candidates running for the United States Senate and the House delegates there in Virginia. So uh, you're doing uh, great work over uh, in Virginia and Washington, D.C. Thank, Thank you, you so, much, so much, Governor. We're reminded of one of America's founding fathers, Benjamin Rush, in an essay in which he wrote in 1786, I quote, It is favorable to liberty. Freedom can exist only in the society of knowledge. Without learning, men are incapable of knowing their rights. And where learning is confined to a few people, liberty can neither be equal nor universal, unquote. Governor Bryant, it appears that today in America, the future of education is at great risk. America's parents and school children are finding themselves at a crossroads. A great many across the nation face delays in opening schools due to the pandemic. And in other parts of the nation, teachers, union groups, and school boards block the opening of schools. Last week, Governor Bryant, you were in Washington, D.C. at a prominent event, and you spoke at the Ronald Reagan Institute's event on education. What was your message to leaders in Washington, D.C. and to media leaders that attended this important gathering? Well, the RISE event was something that President Reagan, uh, the foundation, but President Reagan began to look at America, America in crisis in 1983, the public education system. So my message to all those that were there that day and all those listening was, let's go back to the future. President Reagan talked in that in great detail and the team that he assembled about how we must reach the child in the classroom, uh, not the child sitting at uh, the dinner table or the child or looking at a computer or a child in his bedroom. You can only imagine what a third grader might go through. The lack of socialization, the, the socialization, the soft skills that they develop interacting with other students. 
interacting with really good teachers. So if you're going to learn how to build teams, if you're going to learn conflict resolution, uh, if you're going to learn verbal skills, that all happens when you're in a group, when you're working together with a really good teacher. Now, therein lies the rub. Uh, so where are the really good teachers? And, and they're out there in America and, and they're doing a, a remarkable job. You said it earlier. Here we are with the teachers union, the unions, public school and education unions, which I believe are the largest public union in America, part of that large government employees union, uh, saying we don't want to go back to school. We do not want that child in that caring, loving, safe environment. We would rather them get their learning remotely. And so they're stopping the reopening of schools. It, it is troubling. And, and you see parents now rallying around an effort to get their children back in that classroom. Uh, they're testing opportunities. So the, the testing has become simple and effective enough. We're just in a matter of minutes. We can determine if a child in that classroom may have been exposed to COVID or have COVID. So we, we can deal with that. Uh, just as we do every other disease or threatening uh, health uh, concern that occurs, as we see those by the tens of thousands rushing across the border. And if you listen to the Biden administration, what they're trying to do is assimilate or enter those illegal uh, aliens into our system, which means putting their children into school. So TB, for example, tuberculosis, which had been eradicated in the United States, is on the rise. So here we are with an administration saying, let's get the children of illegals into our classrooms as quickly as we can. But for heaven's sakes, let's join with the teachers union and keeping uh, our children from enjoying the opportunity of learning in America. Now, the administration will say, oh, no, no, we don't say that. Look at the contributions of this administration, the Democratic Party. Uh, operatives have received from the teachers union and the public employees union and uh, money still talks in politics and it's one of the reasons that our children will have a difficult time getting back into their classrooms. Right. And Governor Bryant, in your piece, co-authored with Alexandra Campana and published by America First Policy Institute under the title Curricula, What Parents Need to Know to Get More Involved, you laid out the importance of parents' and citizens' involvement in decision-making process to determine what is going to be taught to children in public schools. And when we look at the figures that you presented as of 2020, with estimated 56.4 million students in public and private K-12 schools, spending almost seven hours a day for 180 days, which is total of 1,260 hours in classroom each year, we can see how important teachers and curricula become for shaping children's knowledge, developing principles for critical thinking, and preparing them for a productive future in their private and public life. The study by Pew Research Center analyzed the results of eight great students in math and reading from 2003 to 2017 and found that one-third of the low-income eighth graders scored below basic in reading and more than one-half of low-income eighth-grade students in nine states scored below basic. Governor Bryant, instead of focusing on quality of teachers, teaching methods, and curricula in order to enable children to excel in reading, math, and civic education, American classroom is getting politicized and children 
indoctrinated in an identical way as it happened in communist countries. Governor Bryan, could you kindly share with us your thoughts about these developments? Well, it is a number of very serious problems that are taking place or have taken place in American public education. So you're absolutely right. One, can we get them back to the classroom? If we do, what will they be taught? Yeah, 56.4 million students will be going into the classroom. And while the rest of the world is teaching the STEM, when they're teaching math and science and the advanced arts, what are we teaching? Critical race theory. That's right. We're trying to get in a curricula that was created by the New York Times and based on the lie, the 1619 movement that says there's systemic racism and that America was founded because of slavery and racism, and that we are still to blame for that, that we must bring all of that back today. And somehow you're either a predator or prey. You're you're a victim or you're a prosecutor. So you either prosecuted slavery even in today. So we have in a classroom, imagine, if you will, two six-year-olds, and one is being taught that your white friend sitting next to you is somehow to blame for all of your problems. This is what 1619 has done. So we're we're indoctrinating. You said it exactly right, Natasha. We're indoctrinating uh, our children in the classroom with identity politics for the sole benefit of getting them to vote for a Democratic Party. That's all it is. The Democratic Party, through their establishments and their friends in the media, including the New York Times, which is leading this, has said this is what we need to spend our time on, while 80 percent. Uh, the people in the United States say that they do not want to use the classroom to promote political activity. Leave my children out of your politics. And I said this at the Reagan Foundation, shame on them that the very highest levels in the Democratic Party are indoctrinating students so that one day they'll be able to harvest those votes while they leave school without the preparation to either go on to higher universities or higher education university, community college, or to get a job. Now, we did just the opposite in Mississippi. We went back to the basics. We went back to reading. So we basically said, in law, you can't be socially promoted to the fourth grade, which we had social promotion, if you can't read on the third grade level. Well, the education establishment said, oh, my goodness, he's going to ruin their self-esteem. How dare he do that? In 2019, and I believe in 2020, Mississippi's fourth graders led the nation. Let me say that again. We were number one in America for progress in reading. Our our graduation rates exceeded the national average. So don't let anybody in Washington or New York or San Francisco say, well, look at the terrible things that's happening in Mississippi with 35% African-American population. We don't believe there are any dumb children. We don't believe that they were born illiterate. It is our responsibility to step up. But what we didn't do is divide them by race or divide them by ideology. We didn't teach critical race theory. We created a civil rights museum where they could go and almost every school child in Mississippi is going or will go so that they could see the facts, good and bad, of the civil rights movement and what happened in Mississippi and the victory the victory of the men and women that work so hard to bring everyone to a level ability 
to live the American dream. In fact, The Economist magazine, one of the prominent magazines in the world, in fact, just a few weeks ago, highlighted this very successful educational reform initiative that you advanced in the state of Mississippi that is certainly an example for other states. And uh, congratulations on that important accomplishment, uh, which is a an encouragement for other governors to be able to look at and other state governments to be able to implement as well, where educational reform at the local level is certainly a better approach than any kind of directive coming in from Washington, D.C. Absolutely. And we said in our document about 11 percent or less of the voting population elect school boards because they normally have the election in an off year. They don't want to have the election when people are running for governor, lieutenant governor, and House representatives. They want to have it in a year where it's sort of tucked in, where nobody knows it. So 8% of the people go and elect them. They don't have to really uh, make speeches so people can record and and understand what they stand for. Uh, They're not accountable to the media. The media fawns over them and says what great work they're doing in the critical race theory. But now, what do we see? Parents are going to school board meetings. This is why we said what every parent needs to know to get more involved in our document that I think is one of the finest documents. And Dr. Lori Smith with our firm helped put this together. She ran the Women's Bureau for the Department of Labor uh, under the Donald Trump administration. It was my education czar in Mississippi. And she understands that parents have to be involved. We must empower parents. We want them to run for the school board, uh, get out and knock on the doors because 500 votes often makes the difference in electing a school board member. And then go to your city council member, where city council members are using the municipal school districts to indoctrinate those children into critical race theory and identity politics and the 1619 doctrine, and it must stop. Indeed, Governor Bryant. In fact, parents are for robust competition in school sports, and we see that across the nation. And as you've mentioned rightfully, there is a growing interest in ensuring that their children are able to attend schools that are producing excellent results. Uh, You were here in Washington, D.C. and Northern Virginia last week, and not too far away from where we gathered in Loudoun County, we saw parents rising up and basically very, very disappointed with their specific school board uh, that was pushing critical race theory and other initiatives. On the other side, we see that there is a great interest in this notion, this principal policy of school choice. And on America's Roundtable, we hosted Virginia Walden Ford, a pioneer for school choice in Washington, D.C. And in fact, there is a movie based on her life called Miss Virginia, something that we would encourage our listeners and those that are joining us on America's Roundtable to to take a look at and it shows how she led an effort in a low-income neighborhood in Washington DC on behalf of her fellow Americans her fellow parents there to get better schools for their children and in a report from Cato Institute I quote that's not only evidence that some teachers unions 
often prioritize politics and power over the needs of families, take a look at some of their demands. In their report on safely reopening schools, the Los Angeles Teachers Union called for things unrelated to reopening schools, such as defunding the police, Medicare for all, wealth tax, and a ban on charter schools. At least 10 teachers unions joined with the Democratic Socialists of America to hold a National Day of Resistance, unquote. And so here we see the National Teachers Association and other groups really siding with a very progressive agenda and going against school choice. Governor Bryan, from your experiences as a legislator and chief executive of a state, how can we engage citizens uh, and others to promote the benefits of competition and the principal solution of school choice and the great idea of education savings accounts, also known as ESAs? Absolutely. Well, we need to go back to them and remind them how important their children's education is and to not let the teachers union, which I actually think is one of the greatest threats to America. If you look at them, they're organized, they're well-funded, they're supported by the Democratic Party, they're supported by the mainstream media, and they have our children. They literally have our children, and they're for choice and everything else. Oh, you get to choose whether or not you want to abort your baby or not, but you can't choose your school. I call it a Berlin Wall. We're going to build a wall around your school district, and it's not to keep people out. It's to keep you in. To make sure you don't take your child and go to another school that is producing a better product and brighter children. Or, for heaven's sakes, you don't let them go to a great charter school that is identified as one of the most successful methods that we've had, particularly in inner cities like New Orleans and Memphis and Washington, D.C. We've seen amazing things occur there. So once parents, and you know, they're very busy. So they're working, they're trying to get to soccer practice, or they're trapped in a housing project that Democratic leaders in those cities have sentenced them to. Don't get out of the projects. Don't think you're going to get a quality education because we're going to give you horrible schools. And we're going to let them be uh, managed by the teachers union. And we're going to teach identity politics and critical race theory. And you can't leave. You can't remove your child from the school district. They even have investigators. They will have investigators come out if you try to move to another district and and charge you with it and, and tell you you can't take your own child and make a choice. So, yeah, this fallacy again, and I think parents are seeing the real hypocrisy of the left. We want to, everyone to have choice. Oh, choice is wonderful, except your child in another school district. That's not a choice we will allow. Once parents know that, they will go to school districts, they will go to meetings, uh, they will stand up, they will run for the school board, and they will change this nation. This is one of the largest movements I've seen since the Tea Party, and it's parents simply going to school boards and standing up for their children. In this excellent piece that you co-authored with Campana, actually you presented a stakeholder analysis. Who are we looking at? We're looking at state boards of education that adopt learning standards that all students are expected to achieve. Local school district boards, which approve a curriculum, appoint superintendents, adopt budget, etc. And they represent the largest group of elected officials in the country. And you actually refer to that, which has a lowest voter turnout. Then parents that have right and are 
are increasingly taking the right to attend board meetings and teachers and teacher unions, whereby 69.4% of teachers are members of a union and teacher unions are among the largest labor unions in the United States. And as you mentioned, from 1990 through 2019, the National Education Association contributed nearly $143.5 million to federal candidates and committees, 97% of which supported Democrats. And again, NEA is spearheading support for critical race theory, influencing legislation and elections. You said that parents are increasingly involved in attending board meetings. What other areas, because the educational system obviously is centered around teachers at this stage. How do we make it centered around the child so that everyone understands that the purpose of education is a child, not teachers? Well, the reason I mentioned those pressure points in the piece is to try to educate parents as to where they can go, because they just don't know. To try to get anyone to name some of their school board members. They don't know where they're at. They don't know when they meet. They don't know how to attend. So first off, we tell them, go to a meeting, address this, demand to know what curriculum is being taught to your child. Transparency should be the watchword for public education. It should be online. I should be able to go into my website and my school district and find out exactly what's being taught, what the curriculum is, and who's teaching it. So I can call my student's teacher and say, oh, I see you're teaching this. Would you tell me more about it? Or I object to that. Or I would like to add more science and math and language to my child's curriculum. Can, can I encourage you to do that? They need to reach out to their legislators who fund state education systems. Every governor wants to be the education governor. Oh, we'll be the education governor. Okay, so call the governor's office. Tell them you are concerned about what's going on in your school district. Reach out to your mayor, your city council member. City council members have to see people at the grocery store. They have to interact. So you go to them and tell them, I am concerned about our municipal school district, and I want you to do something about it. Do it in a nice, pleasant manner. But you have the right. The Constitution gives you the right. Uh, to go and address your government. You can address your concerns to your government. Now, as you saw the other day in Loudoun County, a man was arrested, taken into custody. There must have been four or five uh, armed law enforcement officers around him. Why was he arrested? Because he was standing up and speaking at the Loudoun County School Board. This should send a shudder through every American. If you can be arrested for speaking at your school board, and it will get worse. This is a powerful organization backed by a lot of money, backed by a lot of contributors. They're the largest group of elected officials in America, and they donate $100 million, the majority of which to the Democratic Party. So what they're trying to do is also now federalize education. So, yes, the, the federal government, you start hearing about how the federal government now needs to design curriculum how they need to tie funding to this. So if you're not teaching critical race theory, you won't receive your federal funds. Again, this is a takeover, slowly taking over America step by step. And they've been in our school systems that the left has for about three generations now, particularly on our university campuses. But this new movement, this new identity politics, this tying funding with uh, curriculum, 
at the federal level should, again, send a chill across all America, and we must get involved. Indeed, as you've mentioned about government intrusion in education from the federal level, and you're right to mention about the fact that how they're now dictating if you're getting certain funding, you've got to be able to apply their recommendations or their dictates, basically. And we also realize that the federal government doesn't contribute that much to education when you look at all the state government funding that goes into it. In fact, it's less than 10% of the federal government government funding that really trickles down to the school systems across the country. And you're so right in encouraging fellow governors and others that are out there, leaders at the state level, legislators, to really stand up for education in America that represents the children rather than the special interest groups that we have in our country today. It's about 7% federal funding. You can make that up fairly easily at a state level. So my advice to governors will be don't take it. If it's just 7 to 10%, and that's what you're getting to have to abide by all of the demands uh, of the federal government and the way they're adding, promoting political agendas in your classroom, uh, turn it down. Walk away from it. Exactly. Right. Or we shouldn't be sending those 7% to the federal government. Just keep it in the states and then state. Keep it there. That's even a better idea. That's right. And states can decide what to do with it and how to spend it on education. Send trillions of dollars to the federal government. Uh, They take handling charges out of it. They hire millions of people to decide what they're going to do with your money. They send a portion of it back. And then they said, oh, by the way, oh, by the way, we're going to politicize your children or you you won't get this 7%. That's what education in America is about. No, by the way, we're down in the 20s for the best educational system in America. There was a time when educational system in America was a beacon of knowledge and light across the world. Not so much anymore. Governor Bryant, we truly appreciate your continued leadership across America in encouraging and engaging other state governors, uh, speaking here in Washington, D.C., making sure that principal message gets out that we all need to be involved in the process. And for those that are tuned into the America's Roundtable program, we encourage you to look for this excellent piece that was done recently. It's titled Curricula, What Parents Need to Know to Get More Involved. And it was published by the America First Policy Institute. The co-authors are Governor Phil Bryant and Alexandra Campana. Please share these details with your networks in your local communities. Be empowered with good information and uh, great principal solutions. Thank you so much, Governor Bryant, for joining us on America's Round table and thank you for your principal leadership thank you governor bryant thank you all it's great to be on america's round table god bless this is america's round table from washington dc an initiative of the u.s-based think tank international leaders summit in partnership with lancer broadcasting's two fm radio stations in michigan and the midwest and super talk mississippi media's 12 radio stations in the South. We thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Jolan and Sami, your co-host, joined by Natasha Sardorj, economist and co-founder of the International Leaders Summit, and our distinguished guest host, Governor Phil Bryant. America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C. brings together leading voices from business, government, media, technology, and the public policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, and Fireside. Visit iLeadersSummit.org. iLeadersSummit.org.